They're sly. Nobody likes they're a weasel. Sneaky. No one likes a weasel. No, they're in, they're out. They don't you don't even know they were there. They're slick. Keep trying. <laughs> You just keep saying slick. Like, it's, if you say it enough, I'm going to be like, good, oh, okay, Bob. Welcome to the intro. I'm Josh Anderson. I'm Bob Galen. We have a threefer. We're wrapping up a threefer today, Metacasters. Not a reefer. A triple play. A triple play. <laughs> a deuce plus one. I don't know. The quad minus one? A quad minus one. <laughs> Enough of that. So we, ha- we have a series in today, uh, and we'll just tease you with that. But it's a good one. We think we uh, put a nice cherry on top of the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what kind of stuff? So Josh, I'm going to be, uh, announcements. I'm going to be agile. The, ad, the big agile conference, 2,500 raging lunatic agilist mm. is in DC in August, mid August. I'll be there this year. Ooh. Uh, I have two talks. They accepted Ooh. two. I know I was, I, I'm wow. like jazzed. It's hard to get in there. It's yeah. hard. And I got two this year. Uh, so I'm doing two talks. I'll be there, uh, Monday through Thursday, I think. I'm taking up. I'm driving up, taking up a load of books. So look for Ooh, me in the bookstore, uh, doing the marketing thing. Wow! Yeah, I know. Nice. I'm trying. I'm trying Man. to do the marketing thing. That's what those books. That's what that is. That's, that's my marketing wow. stuff for the conference. I'm I'm excited. So I pre-plan. Look at you. Uh, so that's one thing. Uh, then in Raleigh in September, uh, mid-September, around the twentieth or so, mm-hmm. Agile Coach Camp, mm-hmm. open space. It's a weekend event. Uh, capped at a hundred. We have 45 right now. Uh, we have, so we have room and I'm a little worried. We should be like selling that sucker out. Uh, so I'm going to be the bunch of, a bunch of coaches, not just from the Raleigh area, uh, from, from the nation. So we've had some really nice folks, uh, sign up for it. So it's a Saturday, uh, Friday evening kickoff all day, Saturday, half day, Sunday, open space event, where we teach each other. And you're an organizer on this, right? I'm an organizer on it. Yeah. yeah. So it's so, going to be good. I, But you know what? Open space, it's going to be good because we have 45 really cool people there. Mm-hmm. I personally, I'm a late adopter to it. I've only attended two coach camps. Mm-hmm. And one in New York, one in Michigan. And I really like our community. Mm-hmm. But when you have 100, it's always intimate. Mm-hmm. So it's not about, it's a, it's capped at 100. Mm-hmm. It's, it's this weekend format. It's open space. Uh, it's people suggesting topics, leading sessions, and I always learn a ton. Yeah. Uh, and it's just really cool to just collaborate in our space. And it's not just learning, you're teaching. Right. So you get a chance to teach, you get a chance to learn, you get a chance to sort of, uh, you know, share food, et cetera. So, so be there, be square. Really would like to have you. And we have a lot of open spaces. So mm-hmm. come on down. You have anything? Uh, I'm excited that my Q and a streams are back to Friday morning. Those Wednesday night streams are killing me. So, so Friday morning for the Friday morning at 11 Eastern for on Twitch for Kazi for Kazi live Q and a. So, so what time it's, is it like, what is a live Q and that's 11 AM Eastern, but it's the, uh, you actually have voice Q and a or yeah. 
Bob. It's the it's the live stream. It's on Twitch. So okay. I could actually no no no. Could I ask a question verbally, or do I have to type something? You in? have to type something. In oh, okay. And I and I will respond. But yeah, that's the fine. Thing I'm the, not I'm not nitpicking. The, uh, yes, you are. That's fine. Every time you say I'm not, you are. I'm not. I just you know how fond I am of talking. No, it drives Bob crazy. It drives me crazy talk. to have to talk to type and not talk. But. What we have is there's a dozen or so people that show up every time, and they're fantastic. You like, have a good – You talk about the Agile Coach Camp. Like every Friday, you can get a little mini Agile Coach that's Camp what it for is. free. Yeah. And people come in and ask questions, and there's like 10 people jumping in to help. So you have you have a bunch of cool people there. Yeah. So, so it's a really good group. So Metacasters, get in on that. And it's free for God's sakes. Come on. What else? Anything else? That's it, man. Uh, can we can we go with Cincinnati? Go Bearcats? Yeah. All day, every day. All right, go Bearcats. All right, on to the episode. <laughs> Welcome to the Metacast. I'm Josh Anderson. And I'm Bob Galen. We are, I don't think, it, have we had a three-part series before? You know, I have a other question. This is a three-parter. Yeah. If we had a Josh Anderson bobblehead, what do, do you think the head would bobble? Or, or just it, like lay on the table? <laughs> <laughs> The I just lay on the stretched. <laughs> exactly. Probably. Yeah. Probably would just lay there. We <laughs> fully attentive yeah. though. Oh fully yeah. Fully engaged. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fully ready to go. Yeah. Exactly. Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Uh, just I, laying on the table. I don't know where that came from. Uh, <laughs> this is a three-part metacast. What are we going to talk about? Uh, so the first one was you kind of realizing that things weren't going well. The second one was the bad cop episode. So, so leaving the nest, leaving the nest. So leaving the nest, uh, looking for when is it time and a little bit of how mm-hmm. was the first episode. Second episode was more of a bad cop reaction to a lot of people stay too long. Mm-hmm. Myself the, included. We talked yeah, about me doing that. So their butts are super glued yep. into the nest. Uh, and sort of trying to rally them a little bit mm-hmm. uh, out of the fear, mm-hmm. out of the FUD, the fear, right. uncertainty, and doubt, and getting them to move. And then this is based on a request. Someone sent in a request. They liked uh, the, a recent listener. They mm-hmm. they caught the uh, Leave the, the Nest, nest right? episode, and then they went back, and he said they he uh, listened to like six or seven, just trying to catch up to old Metacast, and he had this suggestion of he's been interviewing. So he's been trying to leave the nest for five or six months, and he's had like uh, 10 to 15 interviews. Mm-hmm. And he's looking for uh, guidance about how to interview them. Right. Because it's not just that people have said yes or no to him, but he was he's struggling with figuring out, and it's an agile context, right? Mm-hmm. So how to, fi- how to interview people to see if it's a healthy agile, I'll use that word, healthy agile context or versus an unhealthy agile right. context. So this completes the journey. I think so. You realize I need to get out of the nest. You need that pep talk to really kick yourself out of the nest. And then this is, I've jumped. How do I land safely? Yeah. So I think some stuff you've historically talked about, I'm going Mm -hmm. to tee you up, but you can disagree or go in another direction. I like, I joke with you a lot about this. So I poke at you a, a lot about underdressing in interviews. Right. And and so Metacasters, I have I, I I putting my right hand up, but I apologize. Right, there's a method to it, and uh, so to me, that's maybe a that's a way of interviewing folks, right? Maybe you could talk yeah, about I, your intentions. So I 
I prefer to dress comfortably. Um, and I use the interview as an opportunity to figure out what's really important to these people. Is it important that I walk in with a suit and a tie, or is it important that I bring a brain and experience and excitement and enthusiasm? So and I are very, and are very comfortable doing that. Yes, like in your jammies. Yeah, sure. No, have actually, you ever worn jammies? No, no, no. Like with the little rabbit feet. I'm. I need to get serious no. in this metacast. I'm. I'm too. I'm too frivolous. Well, right. Often. So, what's a comfortable attire for you? What's a t- what do you test? So with? I so I always go in jeans and tennis shoes, and the top varies. It depends. Usually, it's some sort of button-up shirt, never tucked. T-shirt. Have you gone in with a t-shirt? Up. Yeah. So yeah. t-shirt sometimes. Yeah. So a very casual. Mm-hmm. So very casual, mm-hmm. like not business casual. No. At all. No, it, and that that is the first test for me of are they willing to go beyond skin deep. How do you test it, though? And I'm looking for experience, because I know you've done this for a number of years. Yeah. So, I mean, on one end of the spectrum, have people actually asked you to leave? No. On the other end? No one's ever asked me to leave, but if but if they choose not to have me back, and that's one of the deciding factors, then I don't want to be there. Can you tell in body language and things if you're not hitting the norms? So is there any sort of reactions that you've seen that you can detect? Yeah, you 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 end up with this, like, double take. And so oftentimes what happens after the double take, do they just drive right past like, Oh, okay, cool. And we're off and rolling. Or does it, or do they just kind of keep looking? Like do they end up like looking at your shoes, you know, it's those kind of cues, but it's hard to get that. Like they aren't going to say, okay, listen, you can't come in here dressed like that. Like I've never had that kind of reaction because I do still, I look nice, right? Like I'm not suggesting I go in with a t-shirt that has holes in it or anything like that, or jeans that who knows what, that don't fit right. or whatever. Right. Um, but it, so it always looks nice, but I do intentionally go a step below what I expect them to be because I do want to understand what's important to them. Okay. And if attire is a deciding factor, then that's likely not a place that aligns with the values that I have of the most important thing is what you bring to the table with your experience and brain. I still want and expect people to look nice, right? So I start a company and we're going to look nice, right? But the thing is, I I think most of your recent uh, interviews have been for leadership. So the difference is, uh, and I'm not saying it should be there, but if you were interviewing for a developer role, mm-hmm. then I think dressing the way you described to me, if I was a leader, mm-hmm. I'd be like, that's cool. Yeah. Right? That's fine. That's, let's figure out if this person can code and design or not. Yeah, and these they, are director VP right. roles. Yeah. You're, the, the, the twist for you is these are traditional director VP roles. Right. Like very senior, maybe in a startup, but they're still, mm-hmm. this is not a developer role. This is a, yeah. you're dressing down for leadership roles. Yeah. And and one thing, because I've talked to a lot of people about this, is it's something I'm passionate about. It's something I care about. I I care that people can see beyond that and that they're willing to take the time and inspect and learn who the person on the other side of the table is. I don't because I because I've had people I've talked like okay I'm doing that next time and I say listen don't do that if it's not that important to you 
it's important to me. So I go in and I aggressively attack that problem. Right. And maybe I have not been called back because of the dress, but that's fine. I don't need to know why. I just need to know that, hey, they didn't think I was a fit. And I'd rather find that out now. Right. Than in six months. Right. right? That's the last thing that I want to have happen. I, I, I do as much as I can in that hiring process to get the uncomfortable situations out front early and often so we can figure out, hey, is this going to work or not? Do you fill out a lot of, I haven't interviewed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so to be honest, I haven't interviewed for years and years and right. years. Uh, but it used to be like in order to even get your resume in, they'd have all these questionnaires, like the websites, you'd submit your resume. Then they, then they started coming back with like a survey almost that you had to fill in mm-hmm. like your answers and default answers and things. Uh, so they could pre-filter you. I think they might still do that today. So would you, let's say you encountered that, have you ever encountered that? And have you handled that differently? So like all of that crap that they put in, yeah. you know, it's like a, what is it? A buyer's market, right? Mm-hmm. It's like they, they get, but they, it's not anymore. It's not, but right. they act like it's still yeah. a buyer's market. Right. Yeah. right. So have you handled that differently? Like said, no, I'm not going to answer this or anything like that. Yeah. I've, I've, I've not answered questions just because it didn't feel relevant. On paper or yeah. in per, uh, paper or online or whatever. That online stuff. Yeah. If it's in person, then I just then I answer it. Yeah. But maybe I don't answer it directly or whatever. But all of those forms, I just fill out whatever it needs to get it's done. It's sort of through. silly yeah. and it's insulting to some degree, particularly. But I know a lot Again, of. Again, but that's one of those things where that's an early indicator of what's important to that company. Now. That's true. Now you have to sometimes get past HR, has HR things in the way that slow things down, that as a hiring manager, I, I try and get those removed as much as possible. Right. Oh, well, this is what we do for everybody. Right. Like, okay, but that how does that tell me whether this person is going to be a great developer or not? Right. That 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 question provides no value in this context. Cool. In fact, it slows things down. So I think there's one so one answer or one set of patterns is like this early stuff. Mm-hmm. Like how you enter is contest the waters, how you apply contest the waters, what you answer and what you don't answer. Uh, it can also tell you about the company, what's mm-hmm. going on, like how do they react. Right. So that gives you an, an indicator. Um, a, a second thing that I know you've done is uh, like you're interviewing. You've done – so one of your – and we've talked about it in the Metacast. I think I've even written about it in, mm-hmm. a, in a blog or something where you you – you interview someone and you adopt a controversial mm-hmm. position to see you disagree with them. You ask yeah. them, I, I'm paraphrasing it badly, but you ask them to talk about something they've designed that they're incredibly proud of. Mm-hmm. Then you challenge it and challenge like the design or something. And you want to see how they handle conflict, how they handle criticism, how mm-hmm. they respond. Do you do anything like, have you done anything like that? So that's you interviewing candidates yeah. for your team. Yeah, yeah. Have you done anything like that, like in, to see to test firms? Yes, you have to because it's easy when it's rosy. What you want to do is you want to try and create those difficult situations when something hasn't gone well. And how is that leader that's hiring you going to react? You want to know that as soon as possible, preferably before you accept an offer. So that way you don't get yourself in a situation like, oh, my gosh, this this person really can't handle when things go off the rails. I knew this was off the rails when I came in because they're hiring somebody like me to help solve these problems. But, man, when it goes bad, it, it just it just spirals out of control. So you want to recreate that. So I do the same thing. When I'm hiring somebody, I ask them to get up to the whiteboard and design 
whatever they're comfortable with. And at some point where I know they're right, I tell them I think they're wrong. And I want to see how they handle that. Right. Do they hear what I'm saying? Do they re-explain or do they just flip out and freak out? Or do they just shut down because, oh, this guy's the boss, so he must right. be right. Like, that's, right. that's, that's not what I want to so hear. So flip that around. Have you done that yeah, in your own interviews? Right. Yeah. So, I, so I'll ask, ask them about a process or a direction they're going with strategy or product. And I say, I don't really think that makes sense. And then two things. That tells me two things. One, do they really know it or are they just talking? So, right. again, the same thing with that developer is what I want that developer – to do is to stop and think and say, okay, Josh, I get you don't understand, but here's why I think this is the right answer. And that shows me the real depth of knowledge in the thing we're trying to hire them for. I want to know, does that leader really understand the strategy and why they're doing it and what's important? What I want to hear is say, well, no, Josh, let me explain why these are the top three things because the market's going this direction and our customer base is asking for this and the board or whatever those things are. And if are. they can't, and if they red can't, flag. Right. That's a, are you asleep at the wheel? Do you really know what's going and, on? And it's not even just articulating it. I mean, someone may know it, but do they buy into it? Is it, yeah. are they supporting it fully? Are you, they, can, you can feel the passion in yeah, that moment. That's what I would be right? looking for. It's, they, they might say the words, but, you can also tell if someone leans forward in their chair or gets up to the board and draws you this chart and this graph and addresses the market value and everything that goes along with that, right? Then you say, oh, okay, this, this shows some promise. Or have you other examples, maybe like how they handled failure or something or how they handled – so I'm looking for it's, other – So it's hard because you have to – you have to create a scenario where you're not asking them the question directly. Right. You can't just ask them. So tell me about a time when things didn't go well. They know what you're asking. They know what you want to hear. And right. They craft a response in that manner. Right. So you have to create the scenario. What I try to do is I say, okay, it's six, six months from now. You've hired me. I've got my feet under me. I've hired a team. We've expanded. We've grown. This happens. How are we going to handle it? And you want to you want to create that situation, and they know where you're going at that point, but it's not a canned response. So you can create this, and then you can push and pull. It's like, and then they say, "Well, here's what we would do." Then that's where maybe you push a little bit and say, "Okay, Sarah, I don't, I don't think we should do that. I think we should go left instead of right." And then you start to see, does the dialogue happen, or do they stiffen up and say, "No, we're doing it this way." Right. Right. So you have to create those situations just like you're on the other side of the table. I mean, I've actually asked people, you know, tell me, I, I like your approach. I wonder if this is an alternative, which is just tell me when you failed. <clears throat> like a very generic, yeah. open-ended question. Yeah. Um, or tell me about your worst. I, you know I exaggerate, so I have this tendency mm -hmm. to exaggerate. And I, do, I can't help it sometimes. So... You know, within the last six months, could you explain to me what your worst, yeah. what your absolute worst failure was? Uh, and I'm looking for them. I'm, I'm just looking for to you know how how transparent are they? Mm -hmm. How much disclosure? If they softball me, that gives me data. If they hardball yeah. me, that gives me data. My follow up question, but I'll just listen. Mm -hmm. I'll just listen. If they need time, if they're going through, if I feel they gave me a softball, I'm like, well, that sounds. You know that that sounds great, but I mean that if that's all you've done, you guys yeah. are perfect. Right. So I might exact. You know, is there anything else that's been you know sort of more problematic than that? So I may I may fish, 
Uh, but my next follow-up question is, what did you do then? Yeah, like, absolutely. It's like, what be. did you, and not, not what did you, the organization, do? What did, what did you do? Mm-hmm. Like, how did you handle it? What were the specifics? And again, I don't, I'm not fishing. I, I mean, it's like, then I'll shut up. It's mm-hmm. a very generic, open-ended, it's a specific, targeted, open-ended question. And then just see what they handle it. Uh, and if they, you know, oh, if they give me like one of those sing songy agile answers, well, you know, failure, all failure is learning. And we learned an incredible amount from it. Uh, you know, I may even sometimes say, boy, that sounds like, are you giving me the, I mean, I'm, are you giving me the BS party line? I mean, right. really? That sounds, yeah. that sounds like we're, you know, Pollyanna or something. But again, right? that's another instance where you can feel that energy and excitement. They, they might say words right. that don't mean anything. Or they might show you that they're really invested and it matters and it hurt them. And here's how they're never going to let it happen again. See, and that's what I would be looking for. Yeah. Like the relentless, you know, it's not just did we learn? What yeah. did you learn? Right. Uh, and it's not even, I, you know, I learned to make people work overtime. No. What right. did you personally, I mean, you may, your team may have learned something. You may have guided something, but let's start with you. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm, I'm interviewing for leadership roles. So I'm trying to, a lot of these are culture tests, but I think it applies to team. I mean, if you're, if you're applying for a scrum master role or a coach role or any of the agile contexts, all of that culture stuff matters, I think. Yeah. I, I think regardless of the role you're going into the company in, it's helpful to understand how they respond to things not going well. Like, because that, that, that's such a key part of a healthy agile culture. Do they care? <clears throat> are they not going to let it happen again? And are they personally invested or is it somebody else's problem? You want to know, like you said, you want to know that that person's like, man, that really sucked and I'm not going to let that happen again. And here's how I'm going to do my part to make sure it doesn't happen. Well, I mean, I even liked you and you didn't say it, but quite this way, but there's an argumentative nature to what you were describing earlier in mm-hmm. your style. And I like, I, I mean, and this is counterintuitive. I don't think people go into an interview to argue, but I actually think it's an incredibly healthy dialogue. I mean, if you join the company, you're not going to be perfectly aligned. All you're going to be right. arguing about something, mm-hmm. but how you argue, is it even safe? Yeah. Is it a, are the, can these people even handle the truth and how do they handle the truth? Yeah, it, it's to, to me, I try and create the scenario where will healthy dialogue exist? Yeah. If not, then that's not going to be a good spot. I do everything I can to figure out, can I disagree with this person? And is it going to be okay? Exactly. Are we going to come out on the other end with the better solution and not hating each other? Yeah. Right? Like, are we going to be able you know, like you and I, we're going to be able to argue, but at the end of the day, we'll land somewhere in the middle and we'll move on. Yeah. And if that can't exist, especially in a leadership position or even not like even again, not like with, with those developers, what I want my developers to be able to do is I want them to be able to come to me and say, Josh, this makes no sense. Exactly. Why are we doing this? Why aren't we? I mean, you want that honest, transparent yeah. dialogue in the culture, that safety that people talk about. Yeah. And it's not, because Josh and Bob said so, it's because it creates, it's proven that it creates higher performance cultures right. and deliverables. I'll, I'll tell a quick story once. I want you to critique it. Uh, uh, 
but it's over. I was interview. I was interviewing. Uh, I'll even be clear this time because uh, it's, it's so long ago. But I interviewed with Eliason. Eliason mm-hmm. does. I was interviewing for like a coaching role, mm-hmm. and Damon Poole was their their lead agile practice head at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was interviewing for sort of a senior coach role, uh, you know, or whatever, a pretty senior role. And we were doing a phone screen. And he, and it was mature because he was this, I mean, he was the hiring guy mm-hmm. um, and he was interviewing me and I asked him one question. I was like, have you ever walked away from business? Mm-hmm. Have you ever said no to a client for whatever set of reasons? And could you, if you've said no, could you, could you talk to me about like the criteria that you use? Like what was your thinking process? Mm-hmm. So one of my open-ended questions and he was like, no, I've never, we've never said no to a client ever. Right. And I explored, I mean, I said, so a client comes to you, let's say the leadership team, the culture is inexperienced or they, they want you to plan it. They want you to agile. There's a hundred teams and they want you to adopt agile in three weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you say yes or no? I'm just, I was throwing that out. Would right. you say yes or no to that? And he's like, no, no, it's, it's, it's so much, there's so many dependencies and things like that. Uh, no, we would say yes, we would go in there and then we might turn it around, et cetera, et cetera. So there was a song and dance. And for me, I was testing their character. I was testing sort of their principles. Like, were they, were they walking their talk? Uh, it gets down to, and it was, and it was very, and it was very yeah. confrontational. I mean, he didn't like, you, you can tell that he, and I kept, and, and so part of my strategy, it wasn't a strategy. I was not, there was no trick. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to, I, it was the only question I asked. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a lot of, he was, he was drilling me, popping me, popping me, popping me and culture and skills. And he was hitting me more with like sort of skill sets questions. And I wanted to hit him on a character sort of principle thing. And I just, I pulled this out of thin air. But you could tell that he was getting really pissed over time because I, I sort of wanted, I wanted to be really, really? like, like you never, how about if this happened? No. Mm-hmm. How about, what if, what if this was the situation? I didn't relentlessly do it, but I probably had five scenarios. Yeah. Uh, he actually, he changed the subject. He couldn't handle the heat. Right. And he, and he, moved, he had to move on. And then very quickly the phone interview ended after that. Right. And I didn't get a call back. Yeah. But to me, that's, that's an example. I hope I'm helping the Metacasters. That's an example, I think, of interviewing them that you don't need a lot of, you want to pick your opportunities mm-hmm. and pick like important. It's not a hundred questions. It's like opportunistic, really in principled things are important things and find it and then maybe drill into it with a. So there's, there's two things I want to pile on with that is that how interested are they in the questions you ask? Or is it a one way I'm just going to pepper this person until they surrender? Right. right? And I've found places I've been, if it's a one way you have to prove you belong here. That's not a good place to be. That's not a good place. But again, is it a dialogue? Do they allow you time? Do they allocate time? Do they say, okay, I've asked a few questions. Your turn. What can I answer? Because to me, I I find out more about people when they ask me questions yes. when I'm doing the hiring than when I ask them questions. And it's creating that right. dialogue. Yeah. So does that company, do they care enough to say, okay, your turn? To me, that's that's one of those key things. How How early and often does that happen? How important is the 
um, higher E versus the higher er. And is it all the higher has all the power and they're going to ask all the questions and they're going to decide whether you belong at this company or not. Or is it that dialogue of, let's see if this is a good fit? Well, and are we selling you? Are we selling you on who we are? Are Mm -hmm. we explaining it? Are we being transparent? When I was at Eye Contact, we talked a lot about the ratio. So a typical ratio, you know, when I was growing up in the, you know, 80s, early 80s, was like probably 90% company, 10%. Mm -hmm. And they always waited to the end of the time box when, so if they exceeded the time box, even if they had, they thought they had 10%, but it was really like 1% of the time, right? And you, oh, you have time for one question, but we only have 10 seconds to talk about it. And that happened a lot. We talked about Mm 50-50 and we talked about like sprinkling it early Mm -hmm. so that if you did run out of time, there was an equal distribution of time. Like, like, and, and we weren't, we wanted we wanted it to be fair and balanced. And inf- I mean, our interview was giving them information. Mm-hmm. We actually felt that if we made an offer, we wanted to give them enough data that when they, you know, they could say, you know, they could have an informed yes or no. And if, and if we gave them no data, they couldn't, they couldn't mm-hmm. do that. Right. They couldn't, you ever have someone like, like I once in an interview, actually someone offered me a job and I'm like, I really appreciate that. But the interview was so one-sided I have, I don't have, yeah. I don't have nearly enough data to make an informed decision. Right. And I, I've just told them that. And I'm like, if you want me, we're going to have to come back and I'm going to, I'm going to need like time to interview you. Mm-hmm. Uh, too bad we didn't do that in the interview. Yeah. So I think it's a, that, that's an important distinction. That ratio tells a candidate a lot. Uh, how they schedule tells a lot. Uh, my daughter Rhiannon interviewed at Transloc for a scrum master role. She met with the CEO. Mm-hmm. That was that said something to me. I think it said something. It made her nervous, right? But it said something to me that the the CEO there takes hiring incredibly seriously mm-hmm. to take time. Like it wasn't he. It wasn't an onerous process. He cared so much about the hiring and who came on board. So paying attention to scheduling, paying attention to are they bathroom breaks? Is mm-hmm. it do they schedule breaks so that they're or do they pepper you for seven hours straight? Right. right. Uh, who interviews you and how do they interview? It gives you a lot of data if people are paying attention. One of the things that I've spent more time understanding is the leadership team and who they are and what their backgrounds are, because I've been in enough companies and meetings and boardrooms and all that stuff to understand that the core of who people are, that's them. So does this person come from a sales background or from an engineering background or from a marketing background or from, from a product? Because then I can start to piece together how things are going to go based on my experience of, okay, someone with a background like this, when this situation comes up, this is most likely how they're going to react. And then that's how I start the dialogue. Yep. So is, is the leadership team diverse, diverse from background? Have they all been there for a bajillion years and they all know each other and there's this inner circle. So trying to really understand from a leadership founders, perspective, right? that would be really important. I, yeah. I, I buy that because that, because that starts to tell you how they're going to approach problems. Right. So I've, I've been with a lot of companies where CEOs and founders have a sales background. And at one point I just said, I'm never working for a company like that again. 
I've learned to handle that more effectively. So now I just know going in, okay, this is, this you is likely what's going to happen. Right. And this is how I can get ahead of it and how we can work through it and right. how it's going to be okay. And everything along that, that path, but really understanding who they are. And I found a key indicator is their background right? and the way they were raised in the business right. world and right. the approaches and how they solve those problems. Right. Because I, like I said, like I've been places where the founders were, were salespeople and rather than improve the product, the answer was, well, we'll just hire more salespeople right. and we'll sell more. Right. <clears throat> we'll sell our way out of the problem. Whereas I was, let's build our way out of it. Like let's solve the fundamental right. issue. Let's fix the problem. No, no, no. We don't want to spend the money for that. We'll just hire more salespeople yep. and that will help sell a, around a product we don't want to invest in. Right. I think another thing <clears throat> to interview for, and this would be for agile roles, like mm-hmm. agile team. If you, ha- if you've worked in an agile shop, let's say you're a coach or a scrum master product owner and you're interviewing for an agile ish position. I think Shuhari comes into play where you're interviewing them to see what is their level. Everyone nowadays says they know agile really mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Let's say you're interviewing for a coach position and it's a moderately sized company, 500 people or something. And you're interviewing, you're going to be the sole agile coach. And in the interview, I would say try to assess, is there anyone there who has the experience that you have? Uh, so interview for repeated agile experience, maturity, <clears throat> really explore deep chops. Yeah. If you find no deep chops, to me that would be a red flag. If everyone like gives it lip service, right? So now you're – or at least when if you take the role, yeah. you know that you have an uphill right. challenge. Um, and how you interview them, you know – if everyone says, you know, what do you think the keys, the critical success factors for Scrum are? And everyone says the daily stand-up. Yeah. The daily stand-up, right. the daily stand-up, the daily stand-up. Oh, we really love our daily stand-ups. And that's all you get from everyone you interview. And then you look culturally, and there's fear, and there's no transparency, and there's no predictability, etc. And there's no partnership. There's no one there to, like, partner with. Uh, you can interview on skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so I think if I was a Scrum Master, I'd be looking for that. Uh, well, actually, scrum any of this, any of the agile roles, mm-hmm. uh, or like a, a release train manager or anything like that. If it was all superficial, I I I would probably challenge them and like, do you all realize that you have only superficial knowledge? Are you looking to me to like totally guide things mm-hmm. here? And if that's true, are you willing to take the hard medicine? If I give you some hard medicine, are you willing to take it? Yeah. Beyond stand ups, do you know? What? I hope I'm making sense. Do you think? No, I because. Oftentimes, people make a decision of, okay, we want to go agile. We realize we've been pretending. So now let's go get somebody that help us chart the course to where we really want to be. So oftentimes, that's a situation that people land in. You and I often end up in spots like that. Right. Where you're coming in, they've they, they've hired you or me because they've tried and they're not making it. or. Right. Whatever somebody somebody's going to have to be that that scout that advanced scout that goes out and says here's how we're going to here's how we're going to make it in that scenario you have to go back and do the things we talked about and create those situations or just tell them like you said okay your standups are terrible and you don't do this and you don't do that so when I walk in here's what we're going to do are you willing to so do you are you willing to like Trust me. Are you willing to mm-hmm. support that, or do you? But think, they're going to say yes, right? or, or are you so? Well, you, but yeah. you can. But you know, do you see anything beyond that? Right. Again, it's it's almost independent of what they say. Mm-hmm. 
like I don't know if I would take that role, right? I could, mm-hmm. but what I'm saying is everyone. So if everyone is shoe, if everyone is looking at sort of trivialized agile, mm-hmm. and then they talk about what wanting to get to some mountaintop, mm-hmm. and I know how hard that is. And I'm like, what, you know, what changes are, are they right. looking for a silver bullet? Am I the silver bullet? That's not a really good scenario is what I'm, what, so let me flip it around. If there was one champion there who had really good agile chops, mm-hmm. not maybe not equivalent to mine, I'd be like, ah, there's a partner for me. Yeah. That, that CTO, I can partner with them. Mm-hmm. But if I go it alone, I, I don't know if I would see it as being highly a probability of success, right? They don't even know what they're asking for. Mm-hmm. They're so clueless they don't know. Again, I'm talking about these agile roles coming in. So I think it's important to assess like their maturity. One of the things that I try and do, and I've never seen it work without these two situations. Maybe you have. I've only seen agile work where there's a leader that believes in it and will fight for it. And the people that are doing the work that end up dealing with most of the transformation believe in it as well. Without the support in both directions and you land in the middle, it's not going to happen. And I think, I think you need the first first, right? The leader, yeah. the leader sort of inspires the people. That, mm-hmm. That's sort of what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily have to be a leader. I don't, I'm not looking for a C level, but I'm looking for someone who has a, who has a real clue, a real world clue. Mm-hmm. They've been part of two agile transformations previously. One was successful. One failed. Mm-hmm. They really bought into it. They know how challenging it is here. They're mm-hmm. looking for a partner. Uh, it would help if they yeah. were a really senior leader. Yeah. That I can resonate with. Total cluelessness. Yes, agree. That's agree. going to be a really hard uphill climb. I can go in and push the rock, but it's. I wonder if they're going to receive it, right? Uh, and my first act would be trying to find that leader or develop mm-hmm. that leader. But that's a that's a crapshoot. You don't know if you can. It's. I, I think organizations need that. So so again, it's not that I'm not doing organization, but doing the maturity assessment and through the lip service. When I'm, it's not what they say, but try to have scenario based interviewing where you really get to how deep is their knowledge. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you do when the, you know, we've talked about trust. What do you, you know, I trust the team. Well, what do you do when the shit is hitting the fan? Right. Do you still trust the team? I'd be looking to interview their ag- their agile DNA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'd be looking for one, you know, is it, many is nice, but is there at least one person that I that we can latch on to who's a leader driving that preferably? Yeah. So I, I mentally started to disagree with you. Um, I could tell in your, I did. And I wanted to just pounce on you. But then as I started to think through situations, especially where, where where I'm at now, there's a place where I'm at now where if the VP of software engineering wasn't there, I, I wouldn't continue to stay there. Right. Because he's that, he's that person. The latch. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, and I, again, seniorness matters. Yeah. But having something, right? Mm-hmm. Ralph Kasuba has always been, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know if you know Ralph. You've mm-hmm. heard me talk about him. Ralph, I went to three or four jobs with him uh, in different reporting relationships. But Ralph was one of those folks who sort of got it, mm-hmm. right? He was ex- he was experienced and he got agile. And then he didn't – and I have more experience than him. Uh, he was also very trusting. Mm-hmm. So – and he was patient. And he under- he's had failures and he had successes. He had seasoning. And that that was a wonderful combination between the two of us. Mm-hmm. That's sort of what I'm looking at. I think a scrum now a scrum master doesn't have to be a leader, but to say there's a head scrum master, are you are you going into a place where there's 20 scrum masters and they're all clueless and they're all project managers who were converted to right. scrum master? 
where's your latch? Where's your experience? So at that level, you know, if there's nothing in there, I might not take a scrum master role. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there's one or two, not 20, but one or two that are really seasoned and like, ah, between the three of us, we can raise the bar for the 20. Right. Well, then that's a success perhaps. Anything else for interviewing them? We talked about dress. We talked about scenario-based questions. We talked about how they greet us, how they schedule it. There's mm-hmm. data there to be found, making a good decision. Um, I've hardly said – so one of the things, and I'll tee this up, I rarely say no. So how do I – so I usually only get offered jobs. Mm-hmm. And the way I interview, it's like the at Eliason. They never, they never called me back. Right. And I was perfectly, absolutely fine with that. Right. So it wasn't like here's an offer or Bob. There was no negotiation. But sort of, he was in, he was critiquing me, and I was critiquing him. Mm-hmm. And if he'd have been confused with my question and they offered me, I would have said no. But they never, they never come back. I, I think that says that you're challenging. One way to measure: Am I challenging them? Uh, either yeah, they offer again, you, they yeah. you you were yourself and you had a powerful interview, and they offer you the job, or you never hear from them. Those are both good outcomes, I would say. Yeah, just like when you asked me, has anybody ever like reacted to the way I dress in the hiring process? No. And there have been times where I just never hear back from them. What that defining factor was, was it that I had jeans and tennis shoes on? Or was it that they just didn't like what I said? I don't care. I don't care what the But what we did was we, and this appears to be the new thing, is moving everything left, right? So we move that discovery left. The sooner we figure out that there's a mismatch, the better right. for everyone. I, I'm, I'm okay. I'm happier if we discover that now and we realize this Absol- isn't a fit. Whatever it is, I don't care. Absolutely. Just let's decide that and go. Could I wrap up the Metacast with just like one other piece of advice? Yeah. Uh, I'd say really be yourself. Yeah. That, so that's, so yeah. really be – so we put on that professionalism mm-hmm. mask a lot. I just wrote – I shared a blog post this morning about bringing your whole self to work. And it's the same thing here. Whatever, and you're doing this with your dress. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm I'm amplifying everything. If you swear, swear. Mm-hmm. If you sweat, sweat. Mm-hmm. If you are inquisitive, if you're insanely curious, don't shut that off. Right. Right. If you react badly to someone saying stupid things, like someone says something stupid, and you say, "Well, that was a stupid thing to say." Right. If that's normally what you say, then say that. So, yeah. really, to the best of your ability, don't put any pretense on. Be who you are in the interview. Yeah, I I agree one hundred percent, and we I feel like we should have brought that up sooner. Yeah, this is something that I didn't do a good enough job of until five years ago. So for fifteen years, I wasn't always Josh. Yeah, maybe I I I didn't wear a tie. That was partially me, but I wasn't really who I was and I got comfortable with that and I just wanted to figure out is this the person you want? This is who I am and this is who I'm going to be. You need to know and right. is this the person you want? If so, cool, let's go make it but happen. I think that's a transition. I think my parents, your parents mm-hmm. and me in in a large part of my early career I I did not interview as Bob. I interviewed as what I thought you were corporate Bob. I was corporate yeah, Bob me too. and I was the Bob that I thought they wanted to see mm-hmm. as a developer as a leader. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't myself mm-hmm. and I wasn't true to myself. 
and et cetera. And then, then I started being Bob. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, again, that doesn't mean you go in and be a flaming ass, right? That's not what I'm saying. Unless you're always a flaming ass, yeah. then, then be yourself. Yeah. But it's it's really be true to yourself. Yeah. And I think that's counter. I think that's changing. Generations are changing that, Definitely, right? Definitely, yeah. Right? But still, you can get caught up in that trap. Like if you're interviewing for Google, right? Oh, my God, it's Google, right? I need to put on this. Whatever the Google persona is, mm-hmm. don't, don't try to be be yourself. Right. Agree. So maybe that's a nice. I don't know if it was early, but it's that's the last thing is be yourself and 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 again, uh, don't stop if a, there's a burning question. Ask it. Show courage. Show mm-hmm. transparency. Uh, I think this series was sort of a. That's a nice wrapper on this series. Uh, are we going to do a part four? I don't know. We'll find out. What part was this? This was part three. Three. You. Me, <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> Twa. Yes, it yes, was three. Yes, it was it's still three. It is still it is still three. So from beautiful downtown uh before that, uh hopefully this series proves some value. This was an important one. And Metacasters, I hope you go back and listen in. And really what Josh and I are saying is we're not second guessing you, but if you're not happy Get the help. Life is too short to be in a miserable place, and Agile is too exciting. Uh, so if you're not happy where you're at, go find some bliss. Mm-hmm. From beautiful downtown Cary, North Carolina, I'm Bob Galen. And I'm Josh Anderson. Shake. And big. Take care, y'all.